70. Not exactly the type of conversation I'd been having at my mom's kitchen table. It was heady, open sesame to a world about which a young nobody could only have dreamt. Joey knew everyone. Other young girls I knew were marrying boys their age and struggling to find their way. It was babies, bills, infidelity. To me, those bonds of eternal romantic passion seemed the illusion, while the richness of my life was the reality. An average night out for us was a black-tie event. My husband gave me entree to everybody and everything. I started in the gossip business by interviewing his friends. I'd graduated to $200-a-story articles for TV Guide and was working for the North American Newspaper Alliance around the time President John F. Kennedy summoned Joey. Joey was then president of the American Guild of Variety Artists, to which all performers from Elvis to circus clowns belonged. In his dual role of quasi-political figure and performer, Joey became an ambassador in grease paint. He was sent to head our first cultural exchange unit to Southeast Asia. I hadn't been a bride for too many years when we started off on this four-month journey. Among those I interviewed on our expedition was Sukarno, who was then president of Indonesia. I wasn't too conversant with Indonesia. All I knew was you get to Beirut and make a left. Until then, I'd been specializing in such hard-hitting, thought-provoking, incisive, in-depth think pieces as Where Does Lawrence Welk Go From Here? Sukarno liked the piece I wrote about him, and I was invited to return the following year to write his life story, Sukarno, an autobiography, as told to Cindy Adams, was my first book, published in 1963. It sold all over the world, was translated into a dozen languages, and landed me a news commentator job on ABC TV. Another I spoke with on this tour was the Shah of Iran. Over the years, we met repeatedly in Iran and the United States, and I interviewed him and the Empress extensively. My husband gave me my career, and then he stepped back and watched me go. Joey allowed me to flourish, and I bloomed in the sunlight of his love. I carried that aura into my writing. Joey's professional take-no-prisoners attitude formulated my own. Early on, I complained, syndicates want me to tone down, soften the style so the column can travel. They say readers in Iowa or Utah won't get my edginess. Said Joey, listen, even though she lived in the White House, Teddy Roosevelt's daughter, Alice Roosevelt Longworth, used to tell visitors, if you haven't got anything good to say about anyone... Come sit by me. So, frig em all, he said. Be New York. The whole rest of the world is Bridgeport. But that was a long time back. By the 1990s, Joey's glory days were over. Joey was no longer the guy with the smarts, no longer the hotshot entertainer who at a friar's roast could say to Dean Martin, Pal, if your zipper could only talk. And I, 
for sure, was no longer that girl with the baby fat face who just won the title, Miss Bagel. Although I never thought about it in those early days, I guess down deep I knew that someday I'd have to pay back. But out of forty years, more than thirty of them were great. Most marriages are fifty-fifty. Mine was seventy-five-twenty-five. All the man ever wanted from me was to be number one in my heart. He treasured me. All he ever asked was to be treasured by me. And so, in the last half-dozen years, I gave him not only what he wanted, but also what he needed. I put my own life on hold to take care of his. He did for me in the beginning. I did for him in the end. As my grandmother used to say, the wheel turns. But I don't say it wasn't tough.